Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I am Austin Wilson, research analyst at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Josh Robb, director of wealth management at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. Austin, how can people help us with our podcast? We would love it if you'd subscribe if you're not subscribed. So hit that plus, follow, whatever that button is on your podcast player so you get new episodes when they drop each and every Thursday. And if you wouldn't mind going to our website and signing up for our weekly newsletter, that will also let you know when our new episodes are out as well as provide a nice little summary. In the show notes. Yeah, exactly. So check that out as well. So today Mm -hmm. we are going to be talking about risk. Yes. Not the board game. No. That, which is a fun game. It is a fun. It's a long, long game, but it's fun. Potentially, yes. I think Risk got like dethroned by Catan when Settlers of Catan so? came out. Yeah. Settlers of Catan is kind of the same strategic, long game vibe, and I love me some Catan too. It's I like I game. like the rolling the dice of Risk. Yeah, that's you know it just adds yeah. that variation to it. Now they have like a game you can play Risk on your phone, and you can play against computer, so you oh. can just do that. That's what you're doing. You don't have to worry about a board. You don't have to worry about a board you have to keep and know what to mess with. (laughs) Uh, But you can also play with people too. So, you know, that's like the new modern version of it. Oh, yeah. You don't even have to have friends. Yeah, it sells randomized dice and all that. So, So today we're talking about risk risk and how to know if you're taking too much or even too little risk and really as it pertains to your investment philosophy and your investing. Yeah. So, first, we're going to talk about what is actually risk. When we're talking about risk, what are we talking about? Could mean anything. Yes. Normally, when I say, hey, we're talking about risk, and uh, here we're on a financial podcast. People immediately go to stocks, yep. or what we would call in our industry volatility, yep. the movement up and down of the stock market. Or really, risk of downward movement is what people think. Yes. Yeah. What's the chances of me losing money on this investment? Mm-hmm. When we say risk, that's what most people think of when it comes to mind. And that's really what we would call here, and we're going to use some industry terms, market risk. Correct. Right? So market risk is the the, the decline of your investments. Uh, but there are other risks to consider. And when we're talking about risk, I'm going to encompass all these because these are all part of your overall risk tolerance. And so another one is inflation risk. And we know as of last year, 2022, there was a little bit more inflation than we've had experienced in the past. Less than ideal. Yes. So I think we ended the year at 6.5% inflation, yeah. which means from January through December, because it's a 12-month number. For December to December, yep. Yeah, the whole year, 6.5% growth, meaning if I was buying a basket of goods... In December of 2021 versus December 2022... 6.5% higher cost for which that. Which is down from 9.1, where it yep. was in about June. Yeah, but that is a risk, and most people don't think about that. But inflation risk is the risk that rising prices limit your ability to purchase the same amount of goods. And so you may say, oh, I don't want any volatility, any movement in my investments. In doing so, you may not get much upwards growth. And then if you don't keep up with inflation, that's a risk because you won't have enough money down the road to buy the same thing. The risk is really purchasing power. Yes, that's the, purchasing the power risk. Yep. So it's your dollar's ability mm-hmm. to buy goods. Yep. And if you don't keep up with or outpace inflation, your dollar does not go as far and your purchasing power is not as strong. So right. Inflation just eats away your money yep. over time. But that's an unseen risk in the sense that you don't get a monthly statement that says, here's that here's that purchasing power risk that you just experienced last month. Mm-hmm. And so that's another risk to consider. Interest rate risk is what we saw last year from a positive side is interest rates do move. 
They, they fluctuate. They go up and down. Last year, we saw up because as interest rates were rising, you got more on your holdings. So if you had a savings account, things like that, they were probably increasing the amount they were paying you. Unless now, you're holding a bond, then it was bad news. Yeah, but their interest were going up. The bu- new bonds new issued bonds, were getting yes. higher interest. The value of your yep. current bonds at lower coupons. Yep. yep, that is a risk from an interest rate standpoint is bonds in particular, their price reflects changes in interest rate. Correct. Stocks other, as well is what happened last year too. Yes, so. yep. And the other side of the interest rate risk is if they're raising their interest rate for savings, probably your costs of borrowing are going up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something to keep in mind. There's reinvestment risk. This is something to think about. And a bond is the easiest way to think of this in that if I buy a two-year bond, $10,000, and they're going to pay me whatever the interest is, doesn't matter. My bond matures in two years. They give me back my $10,000. That's how bonds work. I loan them the money. They give it back at the end. Two years later though, my $10,000 just comes back to inflation, probably won't buy the same thing that it did no. uh, two years prior. Yep. So my reinvestment risk means that when I do get my cash back, can I use it the same as I did before? Mm-hmm. So then I want at least some sort of interest to help compensate for me missing out on the ability to use it during that time frame. Right. So reinvestment risk is a, another risk. When we talk bonds, there's default risk. What's the chance that the person who I'm lending money to can't actually pay me back when the time comes? Exactly. They go bankrupt in a sense. Liquidity risk. This is an important one. Is If I'm investing my money, how likely can I quickly get that back? If there's an emergency, liquidity is just another term for how quick can I get cash? How much can it turn into cash and how fast? And different investment vehicles have different liquidities. Yes. So obviously stocks and ETFs, some of the most liquid, even mm-hmm. crypto, you know, yeah. to some extent, traded on exchanges in real time. So generally speaking, during market hours or whatever with stocks and ETFs anyway, you can sell at any point. Yep. Mutual funds, very similar, only one time a day though. And a day, yep. But there are certain investment vehicles, I'm thinking things with lockout periods, mm-hmm. hedge funds, yep. things like private, that. Private equity. Private equity. Yeah. Those things, not very liquid. There are often years or something that you have to hold that for, and you can't sell it in certain time periods. There are also certain things like hard assets. Hard assets can be great investments. Think Real estate. Real estate, housing, stuff like that. However, not easy to offload a house in a minute, Mm -hmm. right? So Can't do a portion of that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You have to liquidate the whole thing. So yeah, those are some asset classes and how liquidity is different. Political risk. So we try not to talk too much into politics, get too partisan in that discussion. But political risk is not talking about one party over the other. Correct. It's the fact that what if there's legislation or changes within what the government oversees, because they oversee most of the financial industry, minus cryptocurrencies right now, but that may be coming. What if they change something? Right. What is the risk that what I'm doing now, there'll be a change in how it's either regulated, taxed, or even controlled? And so there's a political risk there. I'm going to piggyback on yes, that one. Please. Geopolitical risk. Geopolitical. So this is like global political risk where we've got things like Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That's mm-hmm. geopolitical. Mm-hmm. That's causing all kinds of issues and turmoil and controversy between nations, which can lead ultimately and has in the past. And that can change all kinds of commodity prices and supply and demand issues. So that's another one that's very similar. Yep. And then speaking of global, currency risk. We, we saw have, that we, recently, yep. too. We have the dollar here in the United States. That's what everybody uses. But if you're investing, you may own a foreign company that yep. is not using the dollar. Or you may actually be owning foreign currency. The risk is that the amount you can get back in U.S. dollars fluctuates as well. Exactly. And so maybe it's worth less in the future than what you had exchange rate for at that point. So in general, the point of this is saying when we are talking about risk, there's more than just 
the downward movement of your investments. So the overall question is, am I taking the right amount of risk? And so we want to talk about that and how everybody's risk has a tolerance. You and I each have a different amount of risk we can tolerate, and that's for our whole life. Exactly. When we associate our investment risk within just looking at that individually, we sometimes may miss that point. And so let me give you an example. If I'm a small business owner and I'm starting my new business, right? Starting this venture off, I'm taking risk. Mm -hmm. The chances of small businesses lasting three years is, you know, there's a lot of ones that try out and they just don't work. There's risk associated with this new venture. So in my life, I'm taking a good portion of my risk tolerance in associating with this new venture. So it may actually happen that while this is going on, my ability to tolerate my investments may be limited. Yeah, It may have been two years ago, I was totally comfortable with the up and down movement of my portfolio. But now that I increased my risk in another place, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's like, I can't stomach this. And as an advisor, I've been on those conversations with clients to say, let's work through this. But you know, they may say, you know what? This movement in the market is just way too much. I can't handle this. And, right. You know, the first is like, what are you talking about? We had something like this last year and you didn't even bat an eye. Well, their tolerance in their whole life has changed. There's yep. something new drawing more of that risk into a different area. So am I taking the right amount of risk? The answer is it changes throughout your life. Absolutely. Other examples of that would be, let's say your tolerance for risk may change while you have kids in college. If you're helping fund some of that college, your income's changing. So your risk to see that fluctuation may adapt. Or kids at right? home, period. Or kids at home, new kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's you know, down the road, weddings, retirement is a really good example, is there's a life event that is causing some risk to be used up that may limit your ability to tolerate elsewhere. You may think, what what's retirement have to do with risk? Well, you're losing your income. Yeah, exactly. Your paycheck goes away. And that just psychologically eats up a lot of your risk tolerance for seeing other things change because that's one big change in your life. Yeah. So in general, when I look at this and when we talk about risk, you can't look exclusively at investments and say, this is what I can tolerate because throughout your life, that will fluctuate based on everything else going on. So Josh, yes, I got a dad joke of the week for you and it's I'm more ready. of a thought. Thought, okay. okay. I didn't know if you knew this about me. I'm a kleptomaniac. Yes, kleptomaniac. So I've now stolen 56 copies of the board game Risk from local retailers. Oh boy. 56. Oh yeah, that's scary. When they eventually catch me, I'll say, well, life's all about taking the risks. Taking the risks. I'm uh, lying. Actually, that was a joke. That was a joke. He has I've not, not taken stolen a game of Risk. Ever. I've played a game of Risk. But it was legally bought. I've had a win stolen from me on it, probably. Ah, probably. I'm not a kleptomaniac. Ah, good. You know, you can't use puns with kleptomaniacs because they take things, literally. Uh... So now we've defined kind of what risk is, and we've talked about how your overall risk tolerance is not just associated with investments, but yep. the changes in your life and what's going on. How do you know if you're taking too much risk or, in other words, the right amount of risk? Yeah. Because there is an option too. I'm not taking enough risk or I have the tolerance for more risk. So first, a couple things you should know, then you and I will kind of debate through or walk through this. Right. How do I know if I'm doing the right amount of risk? Well, you need to know what your goals are. Yep. Goals are very important. What's my time horizon? What am I trying to achieve? Yep. And historically, how I'm invested right now, what has that gotten me? Ups and downs. What have historically been the experience of how I'm investing? Yeah, it's good to get your mind around both 
historical returns and historical volatility. Yes. Both. Yep. Because they go hand in hand. Because you can't say, am I taking too much risk if you don't know what that risk is? Exactly. If you wait until you experience it, then it's a little too late to know. It's a little too late. And there's no guarantee going forward, but historical returns and historical volatility can at least give you a framework. Absolutely. And there's a lot of software out there that can help you with that, right? Because it would be probably tiresome to go backwards and look at the whatever your portfolio is, whether it's 60% stocks, 70% stocks, whatever you do to say, hey, what would have those drawdowns been? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of work. So there's a lot of software out there. If you have an advisor, I'm sure they can definitely help you understand that. But when you're not in line with your risk tolerance, you need to first step back and say, okay, I'm invested in this way for a reason. Mm -hmm. What was my original reason? Yeah, it could have been guidance from someone Yep, based on the information at that point in Mm -hmm. time. Yep. Maybe things have changed. Maybe they haven't. Yep. And that's the thing is, if nothing's changed since that one, then why am I feeling different now? Yep. Right? That's the question you got to ask. Review your goals. Did one of my goals change? Yep. Because that could adjust why you're in or out of alignment with your risk. Then once you determine, did my time horizon change? My goals change? Why did I choose this to begin with? Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, and it could have been something along the lines of, at this point in my life, that was the only options I had, but right. now I have more options. Maybe you had a 401k. Here's your 15 choices, but now there's more. Yep. You know, those type of things. So then the question becomes, okay, if I'm out of tolerance, I've reviewed kind of the reasons why I started there and what I need. Well, what are my options? Because sometimes you have to very clearly understand the ramifications of making changes. Right. Let's say it's a taxable investment account. If I'm all of a sudden making a bunch of changes, I may be creating a tax liability for me. Yep. Is the end result what I'm going to get worth that cost? So you always have to take that in mind. So as we think about it, Austin, first question I have for you. Okay. I got a couple questions. Didn't write down. It. I want to surprise no, this you. this is good. First question. Do you think you find more people that are over their risk tolerance or under? I would say I hear of more people who think they have a higher risk tolerance than they actually do. Yep. And these are the people that take these questionnaires or whatever and you assess that hey, you're able to handle these drawdowns and be able to sleep at night, right? And then it happens, Mm -hmm. and they can't. Yes, It's easy to say that you're comfortable with something if you don't live through it with real money, right? So on paper, it doesn't really hurt that bad to have a 50% drawdown because it's not your dollar. Yeah, Yeah. But even a 10% drawdown on real dollars is a real pain. Yeah, And you're optimistic that, hey, you know what? I can do this. I'll stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that people, you know, overestimate their risk tolerance, which really gets them in trouble when actual volatility happens. And everyone thinks they have a high risk tolerance when you're in a bull market. Yes. Right? And it's then the fear of missing out. It's FOMO. Yep. Right? So I think that that is a risk. So you had a couple other questions. Yeah. And I'll follow up with that to say Absolutely. You look at the data and you see that. Yep. You see the data. The data. Oh. The dads are probably some of them <laughs> for sure. When you look at the is average data investor. Or data? Well, it depends on if it's a capital at the beginning of the sentence. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I don't. I've always wondered. Yeah, sorry. Data. Interrupt. It's data. Yeah, data is the guy from Star Trek. Yeah, never seen it. Okay, live long and prosper. The data shows that when you look at returns in the market versus what the average investor gets, investor lower. underperforms. Yeah, and part of that has to do with performance chasing. Yeah, and then selling when the volatility shows up exactly. because they have a hard time tolerance. So I agree with what you said. Yep. The other question I have for you is when it comes to tolerance and taking too much risk or not, do you find that over time, people get more tolerant of risk or less tolerant? In a lot of ways, I think if they've had a healthy investing experience, they've understood and stuck with the plan for the long term, they should actually probably have a higher risk tolerance the the further along in their investing career that they get because 
they've understood what volatility looks like and that things bounce back and, and what it really looks like to just stick to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that most people have healthy experiences for most of their investing time. So I don't think that that's always the case. And people tend to get really fearful nearing and into retirement, even well into retirement when they actually probably have a higher risk allotment that they could use than they are. Yeah. Um, because their money doesn't need to last as long, theoretically. So I think that you should have a higher risk challenge because you un- should understand more, but I don't think that's always the case. What about you? Yeah, I think over time, their understanding and education increases their ability to better allocate the risk. Right. I think everybody still has a limited budget, if you want to call it that, of risk. But their ability to say, what investments do takes less of my risk budget right. because I understand it. Yep. So I would agree with you that over time, if they have a healthy understanding and education of investing, that just uses up less and less. Yep. They may not need to take more risk, but the amount of tolerance they have for it is reduced. I also think when you're looking at making changes, maybe because things do change, right? Your goals can change. Maybe your risk tolerance does change, something like that. There are a number of ways to do that. And I think we should talk about that as well. And number one, yeah, you can adjust your asset allocation, mm-hmm. right? So yep. there's no harm in that. It just yep. happens over time. Yep. And it's part of a lot of plans to adjust that over time. Yes. If you need to reach a different goal or a different time horizon, higher returns, you can, generally speaking, lift your allocation to equities and reduce your allocation yes. to fixed income. Vice versa as well. Maybe you don't need the return or want the return or want the risk. You can increase your bond allocation, your fixed income allocation, decrease your equity. You're going to decrease your return Mm -hmm. potential over time. and So that's one way to do it as well. But I think another lever that people sometimes don't think about is simple things like work another year. Mm -hmm. Wait another year on retirement or two years or five years or whatever that looks Mm -hmm. like. And then you can keep doing what you're doing and keep within your risk tolerance of the stock bond allocation you have. You don't need to change it. And that's one option. could easily adjust things like add more money in or plan on spending less. Yeah. And what you're talking about there, all those pieces are, if my tolerance for risk doesn't get me what I need to meet my goals. So instead of adjusting my risk, I adjust my goals. You adjust the goals? I adjust how long I'm working, how much I'm saving, or what I'm spending. There's not a bad thing with that because when you're setting goals, goals can be moved. And in fact, a lot of goals will change over your time as things happen in your life. So you're right. If your tolerance for risk is not enough to get you historically what you need to meet those goals, it's hard to say, I'm going to force myself to be tolerant of this new higher amount. Chances are you're not going to be able to. Exactly. So then you you are forced to look at your goals and reevaluate which are the most important to me, which ones am I more willing to adjust? Exactly. Yep. You're right. So what other thoughts on risk do you have? In general, a year like last year in 2022, when we saw was a, a, downward, year. a downward market in the stock market, as well as the bond market, mm-hmm. there was a lot of volatility. It really brings to light people who were overexposed to risk or had a higher risk than they really could tolerate. And you'll see then at that point, there'll be a lot of adjustments. Unfortunately, that means you're making adjustments probably at the worst at time. At the wrong time. And that's yeah. where, again, that timing comes in is you want to get it right in the beginning because you don't want to make those adjustments when everything's down. And so that's where planning comes in, having a good advisor to say, let's make sure we're set up right so that we're not needing to make those course corrections right at the worst time. When you're making goal adjustments, timing doesn't matter on that. If you say, I'm working an extra year, when you make that decision, isn't that big of a deal. So I think the biggest deal is after looking at last year, how did I stomach that volatility? How did I feel? Was I comfortable? No one likes to lose money. That's the thing. Right. It's not saying that I get excited every time I look at my portfolio and it's down. It's when I see that, what is my reaction? Everybody's going to be upset. No one's going to like it. But what does that cause me to do? 
Am I staying up at night? Am I waking up in the middle of the night because I'm worried? That could be a problem. Yep. And so at that point, I need to evaluate, what do I need to do now? And what do I need to do in the future when things look a little better? Maybe I can postpone some of that decision-making and make it at a more opportune time. I also think that something that's not thought of very much is opportunity cost. Yes. Opportunity cost is a risk. And I think that, especially as a young investor, thinking you have a lower risk tolerance than you really should, quote-unquote should, can be risky. Mm -hmm. So the the less exposure to essentially equities is what we're going to say, the more exposure you'd have to things like cash or fixed income, the more returns you're taking off the table for the long term that have time to compound. Mm -hmm. And I truly think that if more people were educated, and I I hope that our country works towards doing better about this over time, but I truly think that if more people are educated well at how market dynamics work over long time frames, you should theoretically have very high equity allocations forever. Yeah. As high as you can tolerate, theoretically forever. Almost, you mm-hmm. know, because stick with it and it's going to come back yeah. because that's the way it works. But most people don't understand that. So they're scared mm-hmm. and they think they don't really understand what's going to happen. So they think that they can't take the risk when they definitely have the time horizon yes. to take the risk. Yeah. So I would say that the hidden risk is opportunity cost because if you're 22 years old saving in your 401k, I don't know your financial situation. This is not a recommendation, but you don't need bonds. Yeah. Probably. If you're not planning on touching that money, historically, yep. stocks are the asset class that best not only keeps up with inflation, but Outpaces. beats it. So you're right. All I have to say, risk tolerance is important. It's important. Understanding yeah, where you fit with that is very important. Make sure you talk with your financial advisor about how you're invested and if it matches kind of what your tolerance is. Yeah. And if you don't have one, make sure you reach out to us. Hello at theinvesteddads.com. Love to talk to you. Or check out the Invest With Us tab on our website. Yeah. So until next week, until next Thursday... Don't take on too much risk, but take enough. Yes. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.